It's Wednesday, June 24th. I'm Stephen Fee, and this is The Pen Pod, a limited-run podcast from Pen America. On today's edition, children's literature, Watergate, and the lies our government tells, a conversation with award-winning YA author Elizabeth Levy. Then, book reviews from the prison and justice writing community. I'm Stephen Fee, all that coming up on The Pen Pod. How do you write a book about Nixon for kids? And what's the meaning of truth when truth is so often distorted? Earlier this spring, author Fatima Sheikh talked to YA writer Elizabeth Levy to get at those very questions. Here's Fatima with that conversation. Today, I'll be speaking with author Elizabeth Levy, the award-winning author of over 100 fiction and nonfiction books for children and young adults. Her work is known for its humor and research from My Life as a Fifth Grade Comedian to Scholastic America's Funny But True History, and If You Were There When They Signed the Constitution. I've been writing children's books for over a hundred years. <laughs> hundred books, almost a hundred years. Yeah, me too. Uh, so what, well, how about telling me about your latest book? Tell me a little bit about your book. Well, Bringing Down the President, the Watergate Scandal is a little bit unlike even some of my other non-fictions, partly because we wanted to bring so much humor into it. Most kids had no idea what Watergate really was about and what a constitutional crisis it was. And in the 70s, I worked with Andrea Bayless, who's now an historian, but we worked in the theater and we watched the Watergate hearings and we wanted to write something that would have the immediacy of a play. Just because something's footnoted, it isn't necessarily true because people lie. So maybe the truth that they said those words, but those words may be a lie. And so we wanted to bring that to the book and also the excitement of history, because when it's happening, nobody knows how it's going to end up. Yes, I think that you can, as writers, bring a story to something that happens sort of linearly in history. I'm wondering, though, as you say humor, how did you bring humor to such a serious situation? I didn't have to. They did it. The um, Watergate burglars peed into a bottle of scotch while they were waiting to perform their burglary. No kid would not like learning that detail. And when I worked in politics, there's a lot of laughing. You know, partly you're so tired, you're working hard. But yes, there is a lot of humor. Obviously, Lin-Manuel Miranda found that when he wrote Hamilton. This is true. To be able to capture it is, is quite a challenge. Did you set out to to write a, a humorous political book? No, that just comes naturally. I can't help it. And when I try to teach kids that writing, whether fiction or nonfiction, you have the funny and the sad. You always try to mix those. And so that was still my goal in this book. Was it, was it different writing nonfiction or fiction? I've written a lot of nonfiction, yes, because you have to footnote it and find the quotes, but they're just as exciting as when you're writing dialogue. Liz, what kind of feedback are you getting on your book? We spoke to conventions of social studies teachers, and the idea that you can act this out, it doesn't have to be just for our history, give kids original quotes, use this as a way to make history come alive. But the feedback that I love from kids is, did this really happen? But the other is that I didn't expect to find Nixon warm and cuddly. 
And no, he wasn't. But one of my favorite parts of the book was when Terry Eagleton, this little kid was 12, whose father had to resign from running uh, for vice president. Nixon wrote to Eagleton's son and said, politics is very hard and your father should be proud of himself. What matters in fighting the battle, he won the admiration of foes and friends. He wrote back to Nixon, do you know what my dad said when he read your letter? It's going to make it all the tougher to talk against Nixon. So those are the kind of original sources you look for that make good people come alive. That uh, warmth is is really an important factor. I wouldn't have thought that either, actually, because when we think of Nixon, we think of I am not a crook. That That's the statement that we remember most. And, and then I think we think of him as a crook. So the fact that he's warm gives me a little pause. What are some of the other lessons that you think that we could learn from the Nixon impeachment? Well, he was so insecure, he had to lash out as his enemies. And I think the bigger thing we were trying to prove, it divided power because people will abuse it. And I wanted kids to understand, you and I can't commit a high crime. You have to be in a position of power. And they had to find a way to rein in people in power because they will abuse it. And so I felt that that was an important lesson. Well, kids aren't getting civics in school anymore, right? How do we explain the role of government to children then? Well, they do. They definitely teach government. And certainly because the interest in impeachment, they're teaching constitutional history. I think history is civics. Do you think they have changed in what government's designed to do? It's going to change even as we're speaking because the realization of how important government is. Everybody reacts to their own times. The fact that government has proved to be so important during this coronavirus period that people are going to be much more interested in government, and they have been in the past four or five years. Well, then tell me, how would government perform at its best? Government performs at its best when you realize it has an important function to do. And that's clearly in the Constitution. They knew it was a struggle between its importance and reigning in the abuses. But you do have to have a government that protects you, protects trade, Long before there was a government, they could find shells from New Orleans way up in Michigan, long before any Europeans arrived here. There's a lot of important things that government does and takes care of the most vulnerable among us. So so when do you think that, um, that our challenge to government is important? Always. It's never 100% one thing. From the beginning, the, the, you had to protect those rights. The first thing the king wanted was to not allow any people to gather. So, you know, it it is a struggle. But you do have to make your views known and to realize when they are known, they're important. I was always amazed in government how much they pay attention to the letters people send. It all works and it's fun to do. So I think I, I like the idea that you say we should always challenge government, you know, When the president is behaving in a way that doesn't dignify the office, how do we know what's dignity for an office of president anyway? That's not our job to do. Our job is to elect somebody, and then if you don't like them, elect someone else. 
There really are only two ways. You can protest against them, as they certainly did with Nixon in the Vietnam War, so that they know how people think. But you can't force anybody to act dignified. Well, people tend to be offended by certain behaviors, and they think, well, this person should leave because we don't like the way they're acting. You can vote them out of office, or if they did something that is an impeachable offense, you can try to get your representatives to impeach the person. But other than that, you'd have a coup. We, we don't have a parliamentary government where people, you know, can leave after a few months. Now, that's been true forever. You know, that's why it's important people were offended by Washington. People were offended by Jefferson. There's been nobody people haven't been offended by. So just for my information, when, when did we decide that Nixon had done something wrong enough to impeach him and get him out of office? After he won his second election by a landslide. That's what's so sad about Nixon. He certainly didn't have to bug the Democrats' office. He was already going to win by a landslide. But he was so insecure, and he talked about that. He talked about as a kid that he wasn't very wealthy. He always felt he wasn't good enough. Right, right. That is, that is interesting. I remember the cloth coat speech and the checker speech. Those, those were sad. They were, they were very humble speeches. You know, it, it makes you wonder about a person's flaws when getting into government and how those flaws would reflect on their actual legal behavior. Well, we all have flaws. I think that's the most important thing, and that's the joy of studying history. There is no one who doesn't have flaws, and very particularly the people who we elect in government because we find out about them more. And, and I, you know, how do you explain that sort of gray area to children? They live with it all the time. I still believe in Sendak's rule that children know so much more than we think they know. And children know they don't always act well. They know they do things. You know who's a bully. They, they know about it, and they know the times you act like a bully when you shouldn't. And do they then, do you think they understand the concept of impeachment because they understand the concept of punishment? No, no. Impeachment is too hard. <laughs> they made it as hard as it is because they didn't want presidents or elected people to have to leave every time you didn't like them or they did something wrong. So is the issue whether someone tells the truth or not. Ida B. Wells said that the way to right wrongs is to turn the light of truth on them. Do you think that storytelling makes us understand truth better? Yes, especially the truths that they don't want to look at. And each generation has its own truths, as Ida Wells knew, that we want to hide from. And our job as humans is to try to shine that light and to encourage the next generation to do that for us and with us. I remember the adults that told the truth to me, and there wasn't all of them. But when they did, it was like Ida Wells. They shone a light. Our rabbi had a cross burned on his lawn because he fought racial injustice in the 1940s and 50s. And as a kid, I just knew there was something right about my rabbi, and he talked to us very honestly. So that kind of truth, 
I've made it my goal to try to write for kids and also keep them laughing. Well, writers can do that in a way and and to to infuse the laughter along with the with that hard truth. I think that storytelling can bring us to those truths or reflect back on us. I think truth is like an onion. It has so many layers. <laughs> I love that truth is like onions, man. <laughs> For more on how young adult writers are grappling with tough issues, tune into this week's edition of These Truths, our Penn World Voices Festival podcast. That's on our website, Penn.org. For the past few months, our prison and justice writing program has been publishing Temperature Check, a bi-weekly email newsletter that features original and creative writing from incarcerated writers, as well as conversations with reform experts on the pandemic's effects on prisons in the United States. In this week's edition, we present a series of book reviews from our prison and justice writing community. Head over to pen.org to read a review of The Feminist Case for Sex Offenders' Rights, or check out Amanda Aaron's take on Charged, the new movement to transform American prosecution and end mass incarceration from Emily Bazelon. You can read those reviews as well as listen to a podcast conversation about the power of storytelling on death row on this week's edition of Temperature Check. You can read the whole issue at pen.org. And that's our episode for Wednesday, June 24th. Join us tomorrow for the Pen Pod. You can listen to all our episodes at pen.org. Follow us at Pen America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sign up on our website for our daily Dare newsletter. That's where we track major stories about literature, free expression, and the news of the world. I'm Stephen Fee for Pen America. This is the Pen Pod. See you tomorrow. <laughs>